Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also, have I also told you in times past, and they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, let's pray. Lord, this morning we talked about foolish thinking. And we talked about those outside the church, those who have rejected you. But Lord, we also know that there is foolish thinking inside the church. That many believers think wrong. They don't follow, they follow worldly standards. They're cardinal. They're not following biblical standards, Lord. Lord, help us to understand your desire for each believer that you want them to walk after the Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand your word tonight and understand and enable us, each one of us, to learn and be able to walk after the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we, um, we talked about foolish thinking. And we talked about how... Um, the world thinks differently. And, and the example I used was about abortion. And if you've ever talked to somebody who believes in women's rights, which I, I, the Bible talks about women's rights, so that's, all, that's not a big deal. But they don't believe that the baby is a baby. Then they're passionate about that. And the problem is that they have foolish thinking. And we talked about the cause, we talked about the cause, the consequence, and the correction of that. And, and the problem is, they don't know God. And they have rejected God, and that leads to foolish thinking. And we went through that, the logic of that this morning. The problem is, is that many times within a church, there is foolish thinking. It doesn't, it, and so what happens is, and, and you've probably had this experience. Have you ever talked to a believer, and again, we could go down the path, and, and, and sometime maybe I should preach on this, so, as you know, um, there are people in our church who aren't believers, right? They might say all the right things, but they really aren't, and, and we don't know that, and that, the Bible tells us about that. So there are people in your church who aren't believers. Now, now we dealt with them this morning, so for now, let's assume that we're just dealing with believers, Okay, so 
So the person that's really not a believer is not a believer. But, but I've talked to people that I, I, I felt were believers, and they seem to have some fruits that would indicate they're a believer. And they still, um, and again, probably not about abortion. I, I haven't had too many issues with that. But I've had issues where believers, were, or I thought people were believers, and I, and I believe they were, as best as I could tell, bought, bought into evolution. Right? And they felt evolution was, and you might have done that too, and it's like, okay, you're, you're having faulty thinking or foolish thinking, and you're, you're a believer. And so, as I was studying this, I realized that foolish thinking is not only for unbelievers. There are believers that have foolish thinking. I'm thinking, like, well, how can that be? And the Bible is very clear about how that can be. And we're going to go through the same thing. It's actually easy, great. It's going to be the cause, the consequence, and the correction for faulty Foolish thinking, and again, I use the word faulty, but the Bible uses the word foolish. That's why I have to I keep switching back and forth because the Bible says foolish thinking. And like, there's a bunch. Of, here's a good some examples too. Um, baptism. Many churches believe that you can baptize an infant, and the Bible clearly teaches believers' baptism, right? Um, the qualifications for pastors. Many churches say the pastor can have a woman and you can have a homosexual pastor or something like that. And the Bible is very clear about the qualifications for a pastor. So there's a lot of foolish thinking and there's things like that that, that, that you know, are not the abortion issue, although evolution it comes up in the church, but there's faulty thinking. So we're going to get to Galatians 5 eventually, but let's start with Romans chapter 7. And I, it's really uh, the Word of God covers every all this stuff. And the Word of God teaches us um, that, that basically when you get saved, what happens? Well, first of all, when you're truly saved, the first thing is that, 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 that you're now a new person in Christ. Right? Your sins, your, your, your sins are gone, but your sinful nature is not gone. Right? You still have a sinful nature. But, God gives you the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit that enables you to live for Christ, to walk after the Spirit. And and then we're going to get into that in a little bit. But we're not like, the moment you're saved, and you've seen this many times when somebody gets saved, it's so exciting, but all their problems, none of their problems go away. All their sinful nature doesn't go away. You You don't end up saying, okay, I'm saved, now I'm perfect. And the Bible is clear about that. So let's look at Romans chapter 7, verse 14. So it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Or that word carnal could be translated fleshly. So I'm, I'm a sinner. And, and we all know that because of Adam and Eve and their sin, we're, we have a sinful nature. Right? And, and the reality is, you still have that sinful nature. Okay? Verse 15, for what we know, and this is one of these wor- words where it's really complicated, but you, it's, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase this. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. And, and when I was studying this, I, even though I've read this many times, it took me like 10 minutes, like, what is this saying? Um, but let me just paraphrase it the best I could from studying it. Um, and so he's saying here, for what I do, for what I do, I don't understand. I don't do what I want, but do what I hate. And, and, I've, and that, what he's saying here is something that you've seen a lot. Um, say you have a problem with alcohol and drinking, right? 
So you say, I'm never going to drink again. You get drunk and you come home and I'm, I'm never going to drink again. And what happens next week? You go out and drink, right? And that's exactly what he's saying here. For what I don't understand, he's saying like, for what I do, I don't understand. And so an example of drinking, I don't understand. I don't want to do it, but I do it and I hate doing it, but I still keep doing it. Right? And so that's what he's saying in this verse here. So he's saying, hey, I, I, I hate doing this sin. And, and again, you can pick your favorite sin, um, but it's just saying here, I keep sinning, even though I really don't want to sin, but I end up sinning anyway. Right? And so he's saying that. Um, so then he says in verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak, it, so the law, what can it do? It can't stop me from sinning. I hate my sin. And I say, I'm never going to do it again, but I go and do it next week. And the law is weak. It can't stop me from doing that. I keep sinning. For what the law through the flesh send in his... So what did God do? God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. So because I keep sinning and I don't want to, what happens is God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die from a cross and, he, and, to, and to free me from that sin. But... He hasn't freed me from my sinful nature. I still want to do it. And in my natural self, I get saved. And then next week I go out and get drunk. Right? And so, look at verse 4. For the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So he's saying, see, the, the, the thing we have as Christians that the world doesn't have, this pattern of sin, I, I don't want to sin and I hate it. And, and by the way, Christians aren't the only ones doing this. There's people out there in the secular world that go out and get drunk and they say, I'm never going to drink again. And what happens? They go out and drink again. Right? So that's not just Christians that do that. Anybody does that. But the difference is we have the Holy Spirit. So we can break that, 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 process, that, that process that keeps going, that sinful thing that keeps circling around and keeps sinning. I hate my sin. I keep hating my sin. I keep sinning. We can break that process because we have the Holy Spirit. In the world, they can't. They need to know God. Then they can break that process. But we can. Okay, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. They, they can't do anything. They, they're on the flesh, but we have the Holy Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And again, the Bible teaches that if you reject God... The result is death. If you are a born-again, saved Christian, it's life and peace. Life and peace with God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, now he's talking to us believers. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Again, if you're a born-again, saved person, the Spirit of God's in you. Now, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is not in his. So, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, that means you're not saved. But you know what? The moment you get saved, you get the Spirit of Christ. So, you have His Spirit in you if you're saved. Okay? Now, but, if, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you... He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So he's talking about this whole thing 
And he's saying, now that you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. So what happens is we have the Holy Spirit. Now, um, let me jump down here um, to verse 22. Verse 22. Uh, Romans 7.22 For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. But not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, but for that man seeth why, why doth he not hope. But if we hope for, the, for what we see not, then we do not wait with patience for it. So, likewise the Spirit also helpeth with our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So what happens is, the Holy Spirit <coughs> enables us to change the pattern. Now, um, actually, you know what? What did I do? I was I I, I, I got I got into verse eight by mistake. Remember, I, go back go back to. I jumped ahead. I wanted to do verse twenty five. Okay. Romans 7.25 I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then which with the mind I serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin. Okay. So here's the problem. That once I'm saved I want to serve God. But because of my sinful nature I want to serve the law of sin. Okay, so that's the dilemma. So, then, then look at verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, when we're born again, we can walk by the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be filled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So, going back to what I was saying, what's the cause of foolish thinking in the church? God, when you were saved, gave you the Holy Spirit. And wants you to walk after the Spirit. Now, what happens is, and look at Romans 12, verse 1. Romans, a couple pages for us. Paul's talking to believers. It says, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay. Now, what's a reasonable thing to happen when you're a believer? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You walk with the Holy Spirit. And that is our reasonable service. But, Paul's saying in verse 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Is Paul saying, 
you're going to walk after the Spirit, or is he making a, an appeal to them to ask them or tell them to walk after the Spirit? It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I'm asking you, I'm telling you, hey, I, I'm coming to you like, please, you know, it's like beseech. Please, will you please walk after the Spirit? Because, and it's what? It's your reasonable service. It's not something you, it's not like, well, look at this person. He's a supernatural Christian because he's walking after the Spirit. No, this is what? This is what should be happening to every believer. You should be walking after the Spirit. It's your reasonable service. It's not like saying, well, look, look at me. I'm walking after the Spirit. It's like, no. This is your reasonable service. This is what should, is expected of you. But he's saying beseech. So the fact that he's saying beseech means that they're not doing it. And, and remember, um, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians. We're going to go in there a couple minutes and look at some verses. But they weren't walking after the Spirit. So Paul is making an appeal to them. I beseech you. He's making an appeal, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, walk after the Spirit. Be, follow the Spirit. And then verse 2, And be not confirmed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know that? See that word transferred by the renewing of your mind? Get rid of the foolish thinking. Renew your mind. Stop fooling, following this foolish thinking of the world. Re, get your mind renewed. But he's, he, but he's saying there that he's beseeching them and there's no guarantee. So what's the cause of foolish thinking in the church? We, as born-again Christians, have the Holy Spirit. But we have a free choice whether we want to walk in the Spirit. You know what we can do? We don't have to walk after the Spirit. It's horrible. I mean, it's a reasonable service, by the way. It's not something you're supposed to walk after the Spirit. But you don't have to. Because Paul's saying, I beseech you, you know, do this. Now, so what happens is, in our church, in any church, there are people who are saved who are not walking after the Spirit. They're still, they're not getting their mind renewed. So their mind is not being renewed and that uh, foolish thinking that's in their mind before they're saved is still there. They're not being renewed. They have the Holy Spirit, but they're not being renewed by the Holy Spirit. And they're not, they're now being, um, they have, they're, they're not following what God wants. And so the cause of foolish thinking in the church are the people who are saved, who have the Holy Spirit, and are not walking in the Spirit. Now, again, I, I want to be careful. I'm, I'm focusing on believers. There are people, I believe, in the church who are not saved and don't have the Holy Spirit, and they, don't, they walk in the flesh, and that's a whole other discussion, and that would be what we talked about this morning. So I think there are people there. But I think if there's somebody that's, that's a born-again Christian, um, that, that is born again, and, and they don't walk after the Spirit, they're not going to have a renewed mind. And they're not going to follow um, what God wants them to do. So what's the consequence? So that was the cause. I think there's a problem where... And again... We have to be careful because there are times and I, in my personal life where I know I've walked after the Spirit. And I know there's been times where I've walked after the flesh, where I haven't, I've rejected the Spirit. And what happens is um, 
there's consequences, and we're going to talk about that now. So let's look at, um, turn now to 1 Corinthians 3.13. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now again, uh, in the morning Sunday school, we're going through the, the book of 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians is ri- written to a church that was not walking after the Spirit. They were walking after the flesh. So there's a whole bunch of issues going on here, but this is, a, this is here what he's talking about. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he's saying, but, And I, brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as to carnal, even as babes in Christ. So, here he's talking to believers in the church of Corinth, and he's saying, I can't talk to you like you're spiritual, because what? You're carnal, you're fleshly, you're babes in Christ. So, what happened was, these people got saved, they have the Holy Spirit, but they're not growing. And he, and he refers to them as what? Babies. Right? Babies, because they're not growing. In verse 2, I have fed you with milk. Remember, Paul started the church in Corinth, and he was there for 18 months planning this church. He spent 18 months in the city of Corinth setting up this church, ministering, getting people were getting saved, discipling them, and so he spent 18 months with them. I have fed you with milk. So Paul taught them personally, and not with meat, but here until you are not able to bear it, neither you now are, are able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there are among you, uh, uh, there is among you envy and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? So what happened was, this church in Corinth, what do they have? Envy, strife, divisions. Sounds like the stuff I read this morning about the world, right? And as a matter of fact, um, you know, just look, look, look at chapter five, verse one. Um, First uh, Corinthians five one. It is reported commonly that there is fornication, which is sexual immorality, among you, and such a fornication as not as much as he turned named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So, sexual immorality. There's a man living with his father's wife as a husband and wife committing incest in the church, right? I mean, even the world today. I think incest is still considered wrong. Everything else is right, but I think incest might still be wrong. And they were had it in the church. The church was no different than the world. Um, here's another example. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse um, 7. It says, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because we go to law one with another. Why do we not rather take wrong why do we not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Um, nay, we, we, we do wrong and defraud, and that with your brothers. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. What happened was, this church... You would go to this church, be part of this church, and you say, you know what? There's no difference between the world and us, them. The world's doing the same, they're doing the same thing. There's immorality, there's all these wickedness, strife, envy, and deceit. All this is going on within the church and all the believers. So the consequences, if you're a born-again believer, 
you want to live for Christ. But if you choose not to walk after the Spirit, you're going to be just like the rest of the world. You're not going to, your life is not going to be any different. You know, now, you're saved, and that's really important, obviously, right, for your future. But, but for now, if you're saved, your life should be different right now. And these Corinthians, there was no difference between them and the world. They're going to, they're, 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 you know, Dave and I have an argument. I'm going to sue you, Dave. You know, that's what they were doing, right? You know, they were doing stuff just like the world. There was no difference. So what happens is, what happens is when you're saved, the cause is when you're saved and you don't walk after the Spirit, then the, the consequence is there's no difference between believers in the church and the world. And, you know, it's sad to say is, I, I've seen that. I mean, how, many times you've seen that and you hear what churches are doing and what people are doing and you're like, you know, you hear divorce rates are no difference between Christians. And again, I'm not sure they have the, whether Christians or not, but, you know, there's no difference between the world and, 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 and there should be a huge difference. Why would somebody be attracted to follow Christ when they don't see any difference between us and the world? And so I think that, um, did you just turn the volume up or something? That's good. So I think that, so the question is, what's the correction? What's the correction? So let's now, now we're finally going to Galatians chapter 5, which is the verse I read when we started. So I'm finally getting up to the part where, we're, where, 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 where I, the scripture I gave you for the sermon. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So Paul is talking to the Galatian church here. And he's saying, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the, the first thing he says here is, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't let ourselves lead. And the Holy Spirit will not force himself. He's, he's there with you, but you have a free will. Verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by of the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, I hate to say this, but until we get to heaven, before we're with Christ, we're going to have the pro- we have a problem. We have a sinful nature, and we have a desire to walk after the Spirit, and there's going to be conflict there. And that, as much as you like, I like to say, well, you know, I'm victorious, we're going to, it's, we're going to overcome this. It's never going to go away. It, well, you know, that's not true. It's going to go away when we're glorified with Christ. So it's going to go away, but it's not going to go away now. And so, even if like you're walking after the Spirit right now, you have to be diligent because you know what? In five years from now or next week, you could be walking after the flesh. So there's going to be an ongoing battle here. And he says that. Um, now look in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And again, I didn't make this up, but it's like all this stuff is this big long list again. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, 
envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, <clears throat> he's saying here that when we as believers stop walking after the Spirit and walk after the flesh, all the stuff that we mentioned this morning for unbelievers apply to us. Right? And again, praise the Lord we're saved and we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and our future is, 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 is with eternity is with Him. But, but we're not experiencing the joy of being a Christian and a believer now because we're, we're having all the same problems that the world has. And then look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So, what would you rather have? Would you rather be recognized as a believer because you have you know, love, joy, peace, and all these other things? Or would you be like, Okay, I'm a believer, but I'm no different than the world. And the key is, we have to learn to walk after the Spirit. And verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So the whole idea here is, we have a choice. So the consequence would be, not walking after the Spirit, and the correction is to walk after the Spirit. So that's easy to say, right? Okay, I say, okay, walk after the Spirit. Okay, we're, we're done the sermon. We're done 15 minutes early. Um, how do you walk after the Spirit? Right? Now, as I meditated and thought about this, um, I came up with a bunch of things that, that I know have really worked over the last, how many years have I been saved? 40 years? Probably know about 45 years of being saved. So I know um, what works and what doesn't work. But I really want to be careful here because I know so many times that when somebody has given me a message, they give me a list of things to do. And I just check off my list and say, okay, if I do these things, I'm a good Christian. If I don't do these things, I'm not a good Christian. And I, and I don't want to, I, I don't even want to go there because it's not about list. But I noticed that over the years, when I've walked after the flesh and after the Spirit, there are certain things that I'm doing when I walk after the Spirit and when I walk after the flesh. And so, the Bible is very clear on the things that we can do to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Now, I'm going to, there's five things, and again, I really want to be careful because I, I, I know there's been too many messages where they say, you know, go, go home and pray. And, and, you know, that's, that sounds great, and it is great, and there's nothing better than that. But it's much more than that. So let me, let, me, let me go through this. So the Holy Spirit has been given to you. How does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Okay, so how, how do you... So the Holy Spirit, if you're walking after the Spirit, you want to follow the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has to speak to you. Now, if we were a Pentecostal church, I'd say, hey, you know, somebody's talking to me, but that's not how the Bible says the Holy Spirit works. 
the Holy Spirit works through what? The Word of God. And so, I'm not saying, you know, know, and maybe this is appropriate, you go home and read your Bible and read through the Bible, but God speaks to us through His His Word. And and it's been amazing to me. I've I've read through the Bible many times, and, and I don't, I've done the read through the Bible in a year stuff, and that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But I like just studying the Word of God and like meditating on the Word of God. And what you'll find is that um, as you do that, the Spirit speaks to you. I, I, I can honestly say that I don't think I've ever read my Bible and the Spirit has spoken to me in a different way. I, I'll read a verse and then a year later I'll read the same verse and it's like, well, how did I miss that? This whole thing. And so... I think the first thing is the Holy Spirit, when we walk from the Spirit, we study the Word of God. Now, I realize a lot of people work long hours, right? And so I say, you know, you've heard say, get up at five in the morning and and read the Bible. Well, that's great if you can do that. But I know there's been times where I've worked hard all day and it's like I'm tired and I want to go to bed and I haven't read my Bible. So I'm like, you know what I do? I get my Bible, and I read, and I go to bed half an hour, 15 minutes later, even if I can move 15 minutes. And it's amazing how God speaks to me, because I know that we're all burdened. We all have jobs. They're, they're like long hours, and it's hard. But what happens is, as we study the Word of God, the Lord speaks to us, and He shows us things, and, and it corrects that foolish thinking that we're talking about, because the Word of God is there. The second thing that I talk about is prayer. Now, those that go to the prayer meeting, our prayer meeting is phenomenal. And I, I think it's actually working out better on Zoom because more people come. Although I do like coming to the church. But, but the prayer meeting is great, but it's not what I'm... And it's good. And, I, and if you're not coming, I would encourage you to come and it's a good start. But, but there's much more to prayer than the prayer meeting. And Prayer is, and, and I'll talk about meditation, it's different than prayer, but prayer is spending time with God. Now, it's sad, and I can sad say this for myself, over the years, I've, I pray more when I'm in a crisis, right? But, I, but what did we just, this morning we talked about what? They didn't glorify or thank God. Prayer should be mostly focused on glorifying and thanking God. And that's why, you know, we, you, you probably most of us hopefully pray before our meals. And sometimes it becomes a, a ritual, like, a, a, real quick, say a prayer, then you eat your meal, right? Gobble it down. And, that, and that's okay, and that happens. But, but the whole idea there is just to glorify and thank God for your food. Because that's your daily substance, and that's the purpose of that. So there's a good reason to do that, okay? And it's like anything else. We sometimes forget and we just do it without a good reason and we don't even think about what we're doing, but there's a good purpose there. And so I think that, that spending time glorifying and thanking God, and that's another way the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Uh, the third thing is, is meditating. And sometimes it's fun to study, to read your Bible and read a bunch, but sometimes it's good to just study a couple of verses and just what is God really saying? Not like that first that I read there about First Corinthians, when it, I couldn't even figure out what it was for like ten minutes. Right, that verse about all that those words, and I'm like, what is all this about? And it took me a while. And it's like that's good for me, like to meditate on the Word of God. Like, what is God speaking about? Like, like 
like that whole section that we read this morning about homosexuality, right? Well, what is God really saying about homosexuality, right? What is he really saying there? And because I want to get it right. I want to know what God's word is. And so I think there's a lot of times where we can meditate on the word of God. And then the fourth thing that I think enabled me to walk after the spirit is to be part of a Christian fellowship. Now, I'm speaking to all the people that are here tonight, right? And you want to be part of a Christian fellowship. But, and you've got to be careful because Christians can give you bad advice. So you've got to be really careful, you know. So you don't just come to church and they say, oh, you know, somebody's having marital problems. Oh, get a divorce. Well, that's not, we have to look at the Word of God and say what the Word of God says. So you can get bad advice. But in general, um, other believers can come alongside you and they can encourage you, and they, the Holy Spirit can work through other believers to let you know things and help you see things and point you in the right direction. Again, we live in a, in a fallen world, and, and people are, are sinful, so sometimes you have to be very careful, and that's why you have to study the Word of God, pray and meditate, because God's faithful. Right? We talked about that this morning. And people want to be faithful, believers want to be faithful, but they're not always, so you have to be careful of that. And so, I really think, I, I, the Bible is pretty clear that you cannot be a committed Christian and not be part of a local church, right? So, that's, that's, what I, that's all the things. And then the last thing I have is, and I think this is an area where the, we, really, we really neglected this. And I remember I, a couple months ago, I, I did a sermon on this because I think it's an area where we near, really, we really reject, or not reject, we just don't talk about much, is our conscience. Now, our conscience is like, is like other believers. Our conscience can, is corrupt because of sin. So, you can, you know, people go out and kill somebody and they're, because their conscience is telling them to do that. So, I know our conscience is corrupt. But, remember, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can work through your conscience. And your conscience was given to you by God. And it's part of you and it's corrupt because of sin. But it also was a gift from God to enable you to know what's right and wrong. And so, I think we have to listen to our conscience. And I think this is really, 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 really important. When I stop walking after the Spirit and I walk after the flesh, what convicts me? It's usually my conscience. I'm like, you know what, God? I've really, I haven't been really following you. I've, really, I've been doing stuff. My, I'm, getting, I'm getting too busy to follow you, God, to work with you. And my conscience starts going and hitting me and like, oh, I need to listen to that conscience so I can get back on track. And so, I, I, and I don't want this to come across as like a list. Okay, check off. I, I, I read my Bible today, check. I prayed today, check. I did this, check. That's not what this is at all. Because if you do that, you've missed the whole point of this. But if you really have a desire to walk after the Spirit, then you want to be able to, to be open to the leading of the Spirit. And when you do these things, study the Word of God, you know, God speaks to you through the Bible. Pray and meditate. Spend time fellowshipping with God. And you know, um, there's been times where I've just glorified God because I felt I had to. And I think that's better than nothing. But there's been other times where I've been just, you know, just, you know, 
thank God for the creation. You're, you're out and it's a nice spring day or it's not a nice spring day. And just like look around you and see what God's given you. And so there's like so much to meditate on. And then being part of a Christian fellowship and, you know, and again, um, I think one of the worst things that happened to the church was when we had the coronavirus and we tried to do everything online, right? Because we didn't, and it's better than nothing, so I'm not saying that, but, but, but really, um, you know, just seeing people in church, talking to people in church, um, a lot of people stay around afterwards to talk a little bit, uh, and just having that fellowship with people, with other believers is really important. And then the last thing, again, I said, listen to your conscience. So, I wish I could say up here, if you, you're, you're going to have no problems. But even if you did these things today, next week you're going to, you might have a problem. And, and, and again, I've seen that happen. It's happened to me, you know, and, and, and it's probably happened to you where, you know, you, you get fired up and you do this stuff for two weeks and then you stop. Well, that's why I think your conscience is so important because you know what? That's okay. But then you just start over again and you start over again and you start over again and you start over again. You just keep going because the consequences are so much different. If you walk after the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, if you walk after the flesh, it's just like you're not saved. You're living a life that's just like somebody that's not saved. And over time, those consequences build up. So I would encourage you, even if it's hard, to keep striving again. So if you have a sin, so let's go back to the alcohol thing, right? You've had a problem with alcohol. And you get drunk, and, and you know you hate it. And then you go back, and it's going to happen again. Well, the world says, I'm, I willpower, I'm going to stop. And that's not going to help you. It's not going to work. But... Start walking after the Spirit. You know, spend time studying the Word of God. You know, do a study. Spend time studying what the Word of God talks about alcohol. What it talks about. What 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 does God what does God think about alcohol? Spend time meditating on it, praying about it, um, focusing on that. Um, if you have brothers and sisters in Christ, spend time with them so you can you know avoid the time when you would be drinking alcohol. Um, and listen to your conscience. And you know, you'll probably go out and get drunk again. But hopefully, what will happen is the Lord works with you and you keep striving to follow Him. There'll be less times you go out and get drunk. And eventually, you'll have no desire. The desire will go away. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. And so I would encourage you um, to do that. So, again, what's the cause of foolish thinking in the church? Uh, not following the Holy Spirit. Just living cardinally. We have a free will to follow the Holy Spirit. And we we can choose not to. And then what's the consequence? You're no different than the world. You're saved. Obviously, there's a huge... I I, I shouldn't say that. There's no... Today, in the present, there's no difference between you and the world. And that's not the victorious life that we have in Jesus Christ. And then what's the correction? I think the correction is to be, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Do those things that will do it. And you know what? When you fail, because that sinful nature, you got both of them going back and forth. When you fail, start over. 
Just keep going. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, eventually, that, that sinful lust will be mitigated and eventually go away if you keep walking after the Spirit. And again, 20 years from now, you, you know, that, that example, that drunk person, 20 years from now, you might go out and get drunk and you're like, what happened? Well, then you just keep, start over again. Just keep going with it. Um, let's pray. Lord, you have given us your Holy Spirit. Through your Spirit, we have the ability to walk in the Spirit. We're incapable, Lord, of doing that ourselves. It's all through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we did, but it's through your Spirit. Lord, this is not supernatural. This is our reasonable service. It's what should happen when we're saved because your Spirit is greater than the world. Lord, I just ask that you would give each one of us a desire because we don't even need the power. You have the power, Lord. We just need the desire to walk after the Spirit. And also, Lord, a desire to continue seeking you even when we fail, even when we fall away, that we would have a desire to go back to you. Help us, Lord, to study your word so that we can listen to the Spirit. Lord, help us to pray and meditate, to have communion commune with you, Lord. Lord, we also ask that you would um, enable us to be part of a Christian fellowship so that we can um, just be in the presence of other believers. And Lord, you've given us a conscience that is corrupt, but because of the Holy Spirit can lead us into the ways that you want us to go. Lord, I ask that you would give each person here a desire to walk after the Spirit because we know that the power comes from you, Lord. And that's all that you need is for us to have that desire. Lord, help me and each person here have that desire. And when they fail, they would just start over and seek you, Lord. Because, Lord, I want to, and I know each person here wants to live the victorious life demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit and not living like the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.